and welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke and this time we're going to go global. We have joining us from all around the world, David Bernstein, who is based in Boston, Caroline Merkes, who is in Vienna, and we have a little bit closer to home, Elizabeth Bloxham, who is the Director of Programs at the Commission for Educational Exchange between the United States, Belgium and Luxembourg, joining us from Brussels. Welcome to you all. Thank you for having us. I'm going to just do a little intro for all of you. Elizabeth in Brussels, as I said, you're the Director of Programs at the Commission for Educational Exchange between the US, Belgium and Luxembourg, or shorter than that, the Fulbright Commission in Brussels. And that is indeed what we're going to try to focus on today. What is the Fulbright Scholarship? Elizabeth holds a degree in European Studies and in French and Francophone Studies from the College of William and Mary in Virginia. And you're an alumna of the Fulbright Programme yourself, having spent the year in Luxembourg as a Fulbright English teacher assistant. And you've been with the Commission in Brussels since 2016. Welcome to you, Elizabeth. David, well, reading your CV makes me just feel tired. I've had to condense it and here we go. You were a Fulbright study and research awardee 2013-14 also here in Luxembourg and earned a master in entrepreneurship and innovation with distinction from the University of Luxembourg and as part of that degree program you interned at Silicon Luxembourg which has gone from strength to strength and did many other things with the US Embassy here. You have an MD and MBA from the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry and Simon Business School. David spent a year at the Institute for Strategy and Competitiveness at Harvard Business School. And currently, David, you're a PhD student at the University of Leiden in the Netherlands and an orthopedic surgery resident physician at the Harvard Combined Orthopedic Residency Program, providing musculoskeletal care to patients at many hospitals, including the Massachusetts General Hospital, Ringham and Women's Hospital, Beth Israel, Deaconess Medical Center, and the Boston Children's Hospital. And your passion, David, is fixing America's healthcare system. Well, I'm quite sure that's in alignment with many people, many European minds also. Caroline a composer, actress, cellist and pianist from Luxembourg City. Caroline began her musical education at the École de Musique Echternach, where she took piano, cello and ballet lessons to later change the Conservatoire de Luxembourg uh, to make her Prix Supérieur for piano and Premier Prix for cello. Now, Caroline has chosen the plastic art path and had lessons in graphic arts, illustration, hand drawing and geometric design. And then, Caroline, you went abroad to study as a cello performance major, first in Maastricht Conservatorium, and then off to Brussels, then to Barcelona and New York University. And during your time in New York, you also studied as a part-time student at the Lee Strasberg Institute to study acting. You've continued studying acting where you are now in Vienna at the Schauspielschule in Wien. So besides studying all of that music and drama, you also take dance, acrobatics and aerial silk lessons and you create a variety of projects and concerts. You have set up performers.lu at Cello Octet Luxembourg and since 2020 focused on art creating, composing and writing as well. Welcome to you all, very, very highly accomplished people. Elizabeth. Thank you. I want to start with you. I want you to tell us all, what is the Fulbright program? Absolutely. Thank you, Lisa. I think that to explain what the Fulbright program is, you kind of have to go back to the history of the program. And the story of the program begins in 1945 at the end of the Second World War with a junior senator from the state of Arkansas, J. William Fulbright, 
who essentially came up with an idea to repurpose funds that had been reserved for spending on the war into something completely new. And he had been inspired by his own experiences studying in Europe and really, I think, reflected on how impactful those experiences have been on him as a young scholar and decided that the best use of that funding would be to create an academic exchange program. And so what we now call the Fulbright Program was signed into law in 1946, uh, so 75 years ago. And for the last 75 years, it's provided scholarships to Americans and to people from all over the world um, to experience graduate study, independent research, teaching, lecturing in countries around the world. And of course, we're kind of talking about it today, I guess, the kind of bilateral exchange program between the U.S. and Luxembourg. And so in that context, and for people like David, for myself, for Carolyn, the Fulbright program provides opportunities for Luxembourgers to go and study and conduct research in the U.S. And on the flip side, brings Americans to Luxembourg for study, for research and for teaching. It was really wonderful to get to know you all. And it was David who I got to know first of all, because you have kept up your links so strongly with Luxembourg. And I've known about the Fulbright programme as an American institution, but what I knew less about, and I think what is much more interesting for our audience, is the relay of people from all over the world to America. So it really is that exchange programme. But David, why did you pick Luxembourg? One of the things that I wanted an, an experience to hopefully get a Fulbright. Now, Fulbright is a it's a competitive program, but one that really you know changes the world. And and what I was looking for in, in my hopes of getting a Fulbright was to find a place from a professional standpoint and a personal standpoint that kind of met all expectations. Luxembourg is. For those listening in Luxembourg, you know you're two-thirds the size of our small estate, Rhode Island, but kind of a powerhouse of a country landlocked by Germany, Belgium, and France, and really offers an incredible opportunity to really get a multicultural and and diverse experience while also being at the heart of Europe, learning about the European institutions and and what that means to be part of a a confederation of diverse but uh, united uh, countries. I just wanted an opportunity to really delve into those details and and really get a sense of what it means to be European, what it means to be uh, in the heart of Europe. And and Luxembourg was a perfect opportunity. And then from a personal standpoint, selfishly, I needed uh, a place that was welcoming to people who didn't speak other languages incredibly well, you know, in the in the classic American stereotype, I, you know, may not speak uh, French sufficiently in order to get by, but I certainly learned what I needed to from my friends and, and colleagues who were there to help guide me in my, in my journey while in Luxembourg. And so uh, Luxembourg is so welcoming in so many ways, and, and that allowed me to pick a place that kind of met all the, the important elements of what I was looking for. And then I guess the final point I'd say is, Luxembourg is innovative. They're trying to kind of be that that new, hot, kind of sexy place for startups, for innovation, for fintech, for biomedical engineering and, and everything in between. And I wanted to be kind of part of that movement. I wanted to be part of that kind of next step forward that was really starting to evolve with the new university and the, and the role that played uh, when I went to Luxembourg in 2013-14.
Yeah, and actually Ulf Nierbas, who is the head of the Luxembourg Institute for Health, will be aligned with all of those thoughts. So I'm quite sure in the future we might well see you back here in Luxembourg. Caroline, now slightly different for you. You're a musician and a musician's journey is not always the same path as that of a more clear-cut classical academic. So tell me, why did you think about doing the Fulbright program and how did you end up in New York? I actually didn't know anything about Fulbright when I applied, like really nothing. I just looked up for scholarships and it was the only one available for musicians wanting to do a master's in the US. And I just applied, basically. That's, that was the point. But then later, when I already applied, my teacher in Barcelona told me that he did a Fulbright, actually, as a musician. And then I already got hopeful. And, and then I got through and did the interview and so on. But it was more by chance. And then I found actually out that it's quite famous. I really didn't know. Well, actually, I think there's quite a few Luxembourgers that people living in Luxembourg might recognize. And Elizabeth, I think you can tell us some of those names. Yeah, I mean, among the alumni that we consider, quote unquote, notable in Luxembourg, you have people like Luc Frieden, like Francois Thomas, people who I think really have become leaders in in government or in industry after their time in the U.S. And I was talking to one just yesterday, Karin Shinshin. She also is a Fulbright scholar. And I really do think it has given everybody an amazing transformative mindset comparing the ethos of living in the US compared to the ethos of living in Europe, which is very, very different. Now, coming back to you, David, I don't really know how you do everything you do. And you're straddling being an orthopedic surgeon resident in Harvard, along with doing a PhD in Leiden. So how you're straddling the Atlantic, I don't know, but it really is what the Fulbright is all about. And I know that actually you hold a very important position for the Fulbright program in its 75th year. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I was honored to be selected to be a Fulbright alumni ambassador a few years ago. And then for this year, it's the 75th anniversary of this remarkable program. And I was honored to be selected as a 75th anniversary Fulbright alumni ambassador. And and really that role to me is, is just promoting the remarkable journey that this program has gone on, uh, the difference it's made in lives around the world, the more peaceful, in my opinion, uh, and prosperous world that has come about because of this program. And from day in and day out, uh, my role is really just to, to be a cheerleader for this program, to demonstrate to those who may not know about it, that it is something that really makes a positive lasting difference. And so it's truly an honor. And this year is an exciting year. And hopefully it's an exciting year for multiple reasons, including hopefully nearing the end of a global pandemic. But part of that, I think, highlights the importance of working together globally. And that's core element of Fulbright as well. So as an alumni ambassador, I'm always happy to talk about the program and really uh, champion it everywhere in the world. And Caroline, one of the things you mentioned in your notes to me is the one-to-world opportunity. What does that mean? One-to-world is an organization which is very close to Fulbright and it organizes many events and other opportunities. You you can meet Fulbright alumni, you can uh, participate in the Global Classroom, which I did. Global Classroom is when you present your country in a primary school somewhere in the suburbs of New York, which is really amazing. I mean, I never worked with kids that close. And then I played cello. I talked about Luxembourg. I made a presentation. It was really, really fun. Did any of them know where Luxembourg was? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> but now they all know the castle of Fjanden, so I guess that's good. <laughs> Did you convert any of the students to playing the cello? Yeah, I think they were quite happy to hear the cello, actually. I tried to connect cello with 
with Luxembourgish history and play some notes around history. That sounds like another program <laughs> yes. in itself. We'll have to come yes. back to you on that, Caroline. Um, I want to ask all of you, because you're all alumni of the Fulbright program, what has been the greatest change to your life, your mind, having gone through that year abroad? So for me, I think the two things um, have stuck out to me. One is being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And uh, at its surface, that sounds like very like, oh, he was uncomfortable in Luxembourg. And I never felt that way. But truly being someone who was 21 at the time, just being quote unquote, dropped into a, a, a different situation that I've never been in, in a country where, frankly, I don't speak the languages uh, very well, puts you in a, in a position you've never been in, or I've never been in, I'll speak for myself uh, before. And learning to be comfortable, learning to problem solve, learning to adapt, I think is just a lifelong skill that is going to be beneficial to me, both in my personal and professional life. Um, and so from that point of view, I think Fulbright is, is truly remarkable. And then the second thing I would say is learning the insights and viewpoints of others, I think is incredibly important, whether you agree with them or not, especially for someone in the healthcare field, you're going to engage with patients of tons of different backgrounds in the United States, in Luxembourg, and all over the world. And having that ability to take a step back and say, why not all of a sudden jumping on someone and accusing them of something, I think is crucially important in healthcare and it's crucially important, frankly, in day-to-day -day life, uh, especially in, in today's world that's being challenged in so many ways. Um, and I think that's such a core element to Fulbright and something that I learned that I'll carry with me, I think, throughout the rest of my life. Very well put indeed. Elizabeth, how about you? I mean, you, it obviously had a major effect on you because you're now representing the programme and you're still in Europe. You're still here, not too far away from Luxembourg, in fact. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I have a job now that when I applied to the Fulbright programme, I didn't know existed, um, which is actually managing the programme. I guess when I applied, I thought that, I don't know, like the grants would just sort of fall out of thin air. And now I understand, I mean, really, I understand so much more the work that goes on behind the scenes to create programs like this. And the amount of diplomacy really that's involved in setting up these cultural diplomacy programs. And um, I think for me, though, I, I participated in a slightly different aspect of the program than David did. I was a Fulbright English teaching assistant. And I had studied abroad before, I had lived abroad before, and I had always focused on not being that American who only speaks English. I was so focused on trying to blend in. And I remember that thinking um, that the, the, the sort of pinnacle of my study abroad experience was someone thinking that I was French. And I thought that was like, the, that was the ideal. And I realized when I was in Luxembourg as a, as a Fulbright English teaching assistant that that was 100% not what I was there to do. I was not in Luxembourg to become Luxembourgish or to be mistaken for another nationality or, or what have you. And I had to kind of let go of that idea and become much more comfortable with the idea of being a representative of the U.S. Um, I was in Luxembourg in the 2015-16 academic year. So it was a very interesting time to be representing the U.S. as we were gearing up for what wound up being a, a really big election. Um, I was talking a lot about issues that I felt very strongly about personally, but I, I wasn't really representing just myself and my own views. I was representing the U.S. perspective. And I think for me, that has been the biggest takeaway from the program is kind of coming to terms personally with how I feel about my American identity and how I can represent it 
yeah, and, and being challenged to actually stand in front of a classroom of students and to speak about something that maybe I didn't feel comfortable speaking about before. So yeah, that was the biggest impact for me. That's not an answer that I was thinking about at all, but it, it raises a lot of questions to me, which we'll come back to about being that ambassador for your country. And I'm sure, Caroline, when you were in New York, you had to explain over and over again. I think it's probably something Luxembourgers are very used to doing where they're from and specifically saying, oh, well, it's in this little triangle between da 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 So <laughs> for you, though, Caroline, what were the greatest takeaways? Have you made lifelong friends? Has it changed your musical journey or even your acting journey? Yeah, it has changed everything, basically. First of all, it was this feeling of dreams can, can come true. I wanted to go to New York for so long. I wanted to go to, to Lee Strasberg also for six years already, and I didn't do it because I couldn't go. <laughs> And I didn't do acting before, so that was my start of acting, actually was in New York. And then, of course, you have a different kind of university in the U.S. It's much more crossover. You can change departments very easily. So I did also music business classes. I did music tech classes besides, which I was not able at all to do at my universities before. Additionally, which is actually just a detail, but I had to do English classes because my English was not good enough. And it was so, so good. You cannot imagine. Now, I, even in my creative writing, I use almost everything they told me. I mean, just considering structure and <laughs> paragraphing. And so, so it was really very enriching. I really have to ask the most fundamental question of all, and I'm going to put this to you, Elizabeth. How can somebody apply and who are you looking for? That's a great question. So the application process is follows the academic year. We open applications for Luxembourgish citizens every September uh, for students who are looking for scholarships for the following academic year. So it is something that requires a little bit of uh, preparation, a little bit of planning in advance. But we are looking for people who I think are willing to embrace that role that David and I mentioned of being a cultural ambassador, people who are not afraid of going to New York and uh, volunteering to uh, sign up to teach a bunch of students about the cello and talk about their country. So we're, we're looking for people, you know, not who are necessarily just academically uh, gifted or musically gifted or what have you, but people who really want to embrace that mission of the Fulbright program, which is to promote mutual understanding. And I must also ask, in addition to that, what age group of person is allowed to apply? The Fulbright program provides scholarships for Luxembourgers at everything beyond the bachelor's level. So for students who are going to the U.S. for a master's degree, a Ph.D., independent research, or even a research and lecturing as a professor. So is there any upper age limit? No, we, we don't have an age limit. So uh, people at the beginning of the career, in the, the middle of their career, or uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit towards uh, the end of their career are welcome to apply. That's amazing. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I'm going to just keep that in the back of my head there. <laughs> well, no, I can understand that for most people, it probably makes sense <laughs> to go, you know, bouncing around the world uh, when you're not weighed down by things like children or dogs or animals or things like that. <laughs> However, I've just lodged that there. <laughs> David, I want to come back to you because I know that you have this like extraordinary career path, but through it all, you have carried a very deep thread. Despite all of the medicine that you are doing, you really have this ambition to make a difference and to also, if I'm allowed to say, I can cut this out if you don't want me to say it, you want to come back to Luxembourg in a particular role. Yeah, absolutely. So I've... Uh... <laughs> 
That's a, a great point. Um, so a couple, a couple things. So I, when I took my Fulbright initially, I was more excited than anything to just go to Europe and just explore Europe. And then, as Elizabeth said, really the um, the role of diplomacy and representing the United States really kind of hit home the first time that I, again, can't speak other languages very well. Uh, I went into my favorite bar in Luxembourg, Pitcher, and went in, in Esch, and literally everyone goes, oh, 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 the American, the American, the American, like everyone practice English. And I just became very close to this group of people that was throughout my entire year. We just told stories and debated topics and argued about this and that. But at the end of the day, we always came together and had this just general understanding that we can disagree and we can still be friends and we can still move along and we can still solve problems and compromise. And so I've always kind of held that close uh, to my heart because I think that's, um, I hope that's everywhere, but it's definitely core, I think, to, to Luxembourg, Luxembourgish people and something that I've really appreciated. And so because of that, I've stayed in incredibly close contact with friends across Luxembourg, uh, so much so that I almost text, if not every couple of days, at least once a week to a few friends. And now they have families and, I, and they've come to the United States and I've seen them. And it's just a remarkable kind of relationship. Ultimately, I mean, the, the, the goal in my mind, you know, the pinnacle would be to be the U.S. ambassador to, to Luxembourg. That's like a, a shooting for the stars goal, I think. But truly, I don't like think the- it is in your case, actually, <laughs> given everything else you do. I think it's absolutely <laughs> possible indeed. And I know, I mean, being an expat here in Luxembourg, one of the wonderful things for Americans choosing Luxembourg as their base is that you really can be very hands-on with places such as the US Embassy, which you indeed were whilst you were here. Caroline, as the Luxembourg representative here, somebody who applied to do the Fulbright Scholarship, even though you didn't know at the time exactly what the programme entailed, <laughs> how could you suggest this is a good idea for any student or adult even in Luxembourg to go the other side of the Atlantic, go to the US? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good idea. It's a little bit like David said, it opened, it opens up your horizon. Suddenly you are, for me, I was not a Luxembourger, but an European, which I never felt before. Actually, I think you have to go overseas to feel European as an European, <laughs> because we are so used to, you have more national identity, actually. So I think it's just for your own horizon, it's, it's very useful to go. And then for me, it was this, this lightness that they have in America. They consider the individual itself so so you can just choose whatever you want to do if you want to go study in texas dance you just do it in luxembourg it's more you have to path pass and you can choose just for me i was totally not the person to choose a path but i felt like i must and then suddenly i met all those people that just didn't <laughs> what <laughs> i'm so right there so so it just and then you bring it back of course you tell other people about it here and then you live your way and then other people get inspired to also live more individual well i think you're all shining examples of that huge crossover, a massive cultural diversity in what you're choosing to do, how you're choosing to live. You're all living very, very international lives. And it goes without saying that I think many people in Luxembourg would view the world as a very global world. And of course, there's such a high percentage of expats living in a place like Luxembourg. I don't even know what the percentage of people living in New York is from other places, but I'm sure it's pretty high as well. So what are your next stages then, Elizabeth? Do we have you as European for the next few years? 
I've been here now over five years, a year in Luxembourg and then almost five years in, in uh, Brussels. And it's hard to imagine leaving. It's hard to imagine not returning to the U.S. But for now, I mean, I've really enjoyed working with the Fulbright program. And it's so, so rewarding uh, to be able to know that, you know, each day I'm not just going to work and doing something that I enjoy, but I am actually actively contributing to these really transformative experiences for other people. So for now, I'm really happy where I am. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, the, the weather in Belgium and in Luxembourg uh, is, you know, notoriously not the best. So maybe I'll suddenly develop a passion for promoting cultural exchange between the U.S. and somewhere a little bit more sunny. Someday. The Seychelles or such like, <laughs> or exactly. with the French La Réunion or somewhere like this, Mauritius, let's say, or somewhere lovely. Well, we're very glad to have you as the representative for Belgium and Luxembourg there. David, how do you manage it all? How do you manage keeping in touch with all of your friends here across the world and being a medic at Harvard, etc., etc., etc.? How do you do it? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of it just comes down to support and what you what you want to focus your time on. The relationships I've built with those in Luxembourg and, and around the world, it, it's not a job to keep in touch because I think that it's it's personal relationships that that have just developed and grown over time that may or may not lead to professional kind of relationships as well in certain areas. And, and I think that that overlap is very key to, to Fulbright. So if you love what you do, if you, you wake up every day wanting to try to make a difference, I think that that just helps kind of day in and day out. We'll see kind of what, where it goes from here. You know, I'll be in Boston at least a handful more years, kind of to be determined what happens after that for sure. But I also wanted to touch upon one one point that uh, that Caroline that brought up that I, I think is important, and actually Elizabeth too. So, you know, New York is a fantastic place, but I think one of the amazing things that I would promote to any Luxembourger listening to this is that the United States is incredibly diverse, and it's incredibly diverse both in you know individual backgrounds and races and ethnicities and, and sexes, but it's also incredibly diverse in the uh, in the amazing opportunities that exist in both New York City, but rural South Dakota and the s- cities in Mississippi and the hills of you know Tennessee and and all the way out to California. I think I'm you know starting to sing a song, but <laughs> like God bless America. <laughs> Yeah, keep on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know, truly, the United States is so big and so diverse in not just race and not just sex, but in in location and jobs and and universities. You can always go to New York, and I would encourage people to go to New York. But I'd equally encourage people to go to the Mississippi Gulf Coast or rural South Dakota, for example. I'm just you know naming states and, and really see how people there live, what's day-to-day life like there. Um, Because I think even for Americans, it just gives you a different perspective and and allows you to really engage with people of different thought and background that can really ultimately solve problems that we all face. And I know that's something that's so close to your heart, that by making friends across the world in different places, learning about different cultures and backgrounds. That's how we make a stronger world in all ways. I must say, I have been to South Dakota. I actually had to do a documentary. So I <laughs> I, know oh, what, I know what South Dakota looks like, <laughs> or at least <laughs> a, a while ago. Um, Caroline, the last word to you then, as the ambassador from Luxembourg, based currently in Wien, your thoughts, your reflections, having done it a, a little while ago, now we know that it's influenced your life but how do you carry it through in your day-to-day being and do you talk to other people about it or is it something you keep quite quite personal to yourself 
Uh, no, I also have, like David, I have many professional connections and also many friends that now become professional connections, which is quite fantastic. There's one friend, she created this platform where you can perform now during Corona, we can do live performance online. And then I performed there and she made a whole marketing for me. So that's really great. Another friend, she she played in my film now and we we just went to this Lee Strasberg Film Festival in New York. So I feel kind of connected to, to US every day in my yeah, yes, I saw that because you've got a film that's up for nomination with Lee Strasberg School. Well done yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so it's great. The connections just don't end. No, it's like it's, it's always getting more and then people tell you about other people and then they come in too and it's just very enriching. And again, as I speak to you all, one of the things that I'm thinking about is how do you become that open? Do you have to be a, an open person to just drop in your application or by very dent of doing the travel and meeting other people and putting yourself, as you said earlier, David, in that uncomfortable position, you're forced to become more open. How does that jar? How does that marry? Yeah, I, th I think that's a, a really tough question um, because I think that, uh, I forget the statistic, but for example, in the United States, there's a large percentage of individuals who don't even have passports, either don't have access to passports don't want to get a passport. And frankly, I think that's a shame. I think that it uh, limits your viewpoint. I mean, taking a step back, I think, biased, the United States is the greatest country on planet Earth. Biased. However, I think that it's better when you engage with other individuals and in other countries and learn problem solving and learn from one another because it kind of rises the whole boat. And so all of a sudden, kind of everyone is fending for themselves and they start chatting to each other, start problem solving, and everything kind of rises together. And I think that only happens when you travel and you meet other people and you put yourself in situations where you have that opportunity. And so I would just encourage everyone to do so. I think that there's a lot of bias towards traveling of, oh, I can't leave. I also think there's a lot of people who just don't have those options. And that actually leads into a lot of work that's ongoing in the United States, I think that needs to be addressed from some systemic injustices that really need to be uh, tackled in order to promote this travel for a wider group of people. And, and the Gilman Scholarship, I don't know if Elizabeth wants to discuss that very briefly, but that's another one that, at least in the United States, it is aimed at that specific individual demographic. A little bit more running or walking, I might end up being one. <laughs> I might not be able to afford you, mind you, over there, unless you fix the health system. Elizabeth, tell us about the Gilman Scholarship then, whilst it's just been mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. So the Gilman Scholarship is another initiative of the U.S. Department of State, um, but it specifically targets students who are financially um, underprivileged, essentially students who, like David mentioned, might be part of that, that percentage of Americans who haven't been able to leave the country. That's not a, really a reality in Luxembourg. And that was something that I remember being kind of shocked by when I arrived is that, I mean, I went to France to go grocery shopping when I was in Luxembourg. It was virtually impossible to meet a Luxembourger who hadn't left Luxembourg. I mean, I feel like even the babies like crawled to, to Belgium or to Germany just, just to get that international experience. But for so many Americans, as David said, it, it's just not something that's feasible or it's not something that's interesting to them. And so programs like Gilman, I mean, even programs like Fulbright are really trying to provide those opportunities for Americans to, to go abroad, to have those educational experiences, those personally transformative experiences. 
And when we talk about Fulbright now, I think we focus a lot on the bilateral exchange element and the fact that there are people from all over the world who are coming to the U.S. But I think it's important to remember that one of the initial goals of the program was really, it wasn't so much about bringing people to the U.S. to study at our, at our universities or to learn from our professors. It was about sending those Americans who had not yet left the country and sending them to go kind of experience the broader world and, and learn from, from other places. So it's been, you know, an important aspect of the program from the very beginning. It just sounds like the most fabulous, fabulous opportunity for anybody. So just a few technical points then, Elizabeth. From Luxembourg, if one was to apply, they would have to hold a Luxembourg passport. That's correct. And for non-Luxembourgish citizens living in Luxembourg, I'd encourage them to reach out to the Fulbright program in their country of citizenship um, because the Fulbright program does exist in over 160 countries. So chances are there's a Fulbright program for you. And from Luxembourg, if you do happen to have a Luxembourg passport, how many people per year get the opportunity to gain the scholarship? It's a really small program. So we have between three and four scholarship recipients each year and who do, like what Caroline did, go to the US, pursue a master's degree, conduct research, etc. And when you're abroad, do you get expenses paid for, such as living costs? That's a great question. So the Fulbright scholarship, of course, it's a scholarship. There's a, there's a financial component. Uh, so all grantees receive a scholarship toward their tuition and living costs in the U.S. It's not going to cover the, the full cost of their stay, but they also receive sort of a sickness and accident insurance while they're in the U.S. They have a travel stipend and other benefits while they're in the, in the U.S. And again, this is an open question to all of you. When you apply to go somewhere else, do you have to research in advance what you might want to study there or what you might want to do there? For instance, you were a teaching assistant, but looking at you, David and Caroline, you both studied abroad. So had you thought about that or are there careers advisors within the Fulbright program such as you are now, Elizabeth? Do you have somebody to advise you as to what you might want to do abroad? My advice would be that you cannot start too early with these sorts of things, whether you want to study in the U.S. or another country, even if it's something that's on your radar to do several years from now, this is something to start looking up now because Luxembourg is a small country. You probably already know someone who has studied in the U.S., who has done a semester in the U.S., whose cousin lives in South Dakota and can, can tell you what it's like to live there. So the more time that you allow yourself to prepare and to kind of familiarize yourself with the opportunities, the better. Well, I think I've covered all of the technical questions there. <laughs> David and Caroline, since you're both sitting there now in different parts of the world and Elizabeth's a bit closer to me, just any final thoughts, anything you'd like to add? You don't have to. We've said a lot. <laughs> I think just one thing I would add is that this, you know, it's been 75 years. Hopefully it goes for another 75 years or more. It really is, from a personal experience and personal standpoint, a remarkable program. Selfishly, you get to travel around the world and most of it is covered financially. And, and it's really for you to grow personally and professionally. But outside of that, I personally think that the return on investment from governments is truly arguably the best that they can make from a diplomacy standpoint. So for a safer, more prosperous, both economically and from a global security standpoint, the, the investment that you make in sending your citizens abroad 
who are then going to take leadership positions, both in local government and state government and in universities and in, and in business, who are then going to have a better understanding of why the world works the way that it does. I think it is, you, you can't beat that. And so it's just really a, I hate using this word, but to me, the Fulbright is truly unique. It is the one program that accomplishes all of those things that has so much buy-in from so many countries. Um, and I think it has that because I think deep down, people understand the return on investment from a global security and prosperity standpoint is just undeniable and why it's been the flagship program for the U.S. State Department for forever and is supported by you know countries around the world. Well, I can't think of any better ending than that. Thank you all so much for your time. You have all become ambassadors of where you are from. You continue to travel around the world and you continue to be wonderful spokespeople for your home origin and also for all of the countries that you have taken on as an additional home. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.